Welcome to Millennial Rewind, where we take a not-so-sentimental look at the movies and TV shows that were around when millennials were growing up. I'm your host, Nick, coming to you from Masks Are Apparently Optional, South Carolina. Joining me from Masks Are Definitely Not Optional, Los Angeles, is my co-host, Jules. Jules, how are you doing today? I'm still waiting for Spielberg to reply to my emails, Nick. (laughs) So am I. And joining us from the Inland Empire, which is definitely not striking back anytime soon, is my other co-host, John. John, what's happening? Not striking. Not just back or anything, just not striking at all. Fair enough. So we watched Rugrats Season 1, the classic Nickelodeon animated kids show. And John, how would you tell someone you had watched Rugrats without using the title Rugrats? Nick, I'd have to say uh, that I spent a week revisiting a kid's animated show from when I was a kid, and it's about all the magic and wonder that parental neglect can lead to. (laughs) (laughs) And boy, is it magical. (laughs) Because that's the only way you can have any sort of magical childhood is by being completely ignored by your parents. Latchkey kids were the happiest kids. Oh, God. And Jules, if the producers had asked you to come up with a different title for this show, what would it be? Well, I came up with something that I think sums it up, which is, Honey, I abandoned the kids on a daily basis. (laughs) It's so true. (laughs) It's so true. They're all terrible parents. They're filled with neglectful parenting as it goes on and on. It's like every scenario is the kids escaping from their crib or the kids just being left to their own devices and absolute disaster striking. Oh my God. Completely, completely true. Yeah, this was one that people may or may not know this, but I didn't fully grow up in America. I was born here and then I left and I came back years later. But this was one of the shows that I was super into before I left. It was kind of home for me. I would always watch it when I came back and visited family. But yeah, it's very interesting to go back and watch it and see how pitch perfectly it portrayed my parents' generation. It was just perfect. From giving a crap about what the neighbors think, from always taking photos of your kids, from freaking out about every little thing. Just the neuroticism of the yuppie generation was perfect. Yeah, for me, this was actually a show that I always found quite unsettling. I I don't know why. It was just re-watching it, I sort of figured out that there's an element of, well, the fact that Tommy looks like an alien, which is going to be a lot of what I'm going to contribute in this podcast, but he always looked really kind of creepy to me, and the animation style felt creepy. And re-watching it, I noticed more and more that there are a lot of horror angles, a lot of POV shots that show the world as daunting and terrifying, and I just look back at my childhood self and say yes this was unsettling and you had a right to feel unsettled by this scenario that's definitely on purpose because a lot of the show is through the kids eyes and when you're a kid the world is just this big scary warped place so you know in terms of portraying that perspective they kind of nailed it well I'm always for stylistic choices it's just that it felt so unsettling that I didn't want to watch it you know as a kid for sure but that was just me so I as well just loved this show when it first came out 
I was surprised going back and looking at how much focus and characterization the adults actually got because I didn't pay attention to them when I was a kid. And it was just about playing and imagination and all of that. And to come back and look at it, I saw a lot of reviews looking, you know, for the good ones from last episode. And so many people complaining about the neglectful parents. But this isn't a show about how to be a fucking parent. It's about being a kid. So they need to be left alone at times. They do. But also, to be fair to the parents, it portrays the anxiety of being a parent. None of us are parents, but it seemed really authentic. And you're right. I think the reason why 90s cartoons are, in my opinion, superior to 80s cartoons is because adults can watch them and appreciate them. There's something for them, even though it's meant for kids. So you watch it as a kid, you enjoy it a certain way, you come back to it as an adult, you appreciate the things that you missed as a kid, like you pointed out. This was kind of one of the first of that. That sort of cartoon that we grew up with. I cannot wait for us to go back to 80s cartoons. Oh my god. Oh, I, I can gonna wait. This is going to be painful. This it's going to be painful. <laughs> yeah. Um, fans of Masters of the Universe, maybe skip that episode because we are not going to be kind. We are not going to be kind. Also, what I love about this show is the cast. The cast is our childhoods. You go through this cast here, Elizabeth Daly, who plays Tommy Pickles. I believe she went on to do, yep, she was Buttercup in the Powerpuff Girls. That was my show. (laughs) Katie Susie, who did Phil and Lil and their mom. Uh, She was, I believe, Dexter's mom in Dexter's Lab and and Lola Bunny in Space Jam. So Phil and Lil, also Lola, uh, Lola Bunny. And of course, the late, great Christine Cavanaugh, who did Chucky. She was also Dexter in Dexter's Lab. So a lot of Dexter's Lab voice actors went over and did that. Just a really strong voice cast. Oh, and cannot forget Tress McNeil, who plays Angelica's mom. She does a couple of bit voices in the first season. She was Dot in Animaniacs. She was a whole bunch of voices in Futurama. She was I believe Babs Bunny in Tiny Toons. So yeah, if you're a if you're a nineties kid, Tress McNeil, big part of your childhood. This is a good show. This is gonna be one of the good ones that we do, but we have to nitpick it because that's our job that we've given ourselves. I still feel like I was very unsettled by this show as a kid, you know? It just it just always creeped me out a lot. I watched it because it was on and it was any excuse to watch TV, but this show really unsettled me as a kid. I, I just loved it because at a younger age, I saw far more unsettling stuff and that I still loved. What were you watching as a kid that... Like, like... <laughs> like dark crystal and labyrinth and stuff like that where it's it could still kind of be for kids but when you're like five maybe not Um, oh yeah we need to do we need to do dark crystal sometime i've got a lot to say about that but absolutely (laughs) so yeah even though this animation it it has a very unclean look to it like it's not where the lines are constantly like quivering and shaking like other shows like the critic or whatever but it, it does have a very rough feel and everything just looks off i'll definitely give you that yeah exactly except for specific circumstances where it goes absolutely trippy um, oh yeah, no, I didn't find a it very lot disturbing. of '90s kids shows tripped balls. We'll, <laughs> we'll we're gonna get to that. Uh, so this is how we're gonna do this. Since we, you can't watch an entire show at a time, we all have lives at least for now. So what we're gonna do is we're just gonna break down the first season and deep dive into three specific episodes, kind of go over them. What I will say about the first season as a whole is that it's very much Tommy's show. So before we get into it, let's kind of break down the premise 
premise and the characters first. It's basically about a middle-class family living in a California suburb. They have infant children, and it's pretty much about the adventures of the kids who kind of have this very simplistic and imaginative view of the world versus their parents, who are, by and large, uptight yuppies. Yeah, and uh, I'm not sure if this is intentional, like many movies or video games took inspiration from it, but I kept finding little tidbits that I swear could be, you know, inspiration for various different things. I swear, the ball that Tommy uses in the season is the Pixar ball. It looks identical to the Pixar yes. ball. Yes, <laughs> entirely possible. I, I did not notice that. <laughs> and I swear when uh, Tommy gets kidnapped, when the kidnapper puts on a, a mask, it looks like the Five Nights at Freddy's mask. <laughs> I was just like that was how? a horrifying mask that it really was, was a horrifying, horrifying mask. mask and just little tidbits here and there that you think wow did that launch something that little moment here I don't know that was just that embed was just... itself into that yeah, that just... programmer's psyche entirely possible so Tommy Pickles is the main baby he's kind of the precocious scamp who always wants to go on adventures he's got his sidekick buddy Chucky who's kind of the scaredy cap he's a neurotic screenwriter Chucky he's, he's I was definitely the Chucky of childhood. Of, of your childhood. Yeah. Then there's yeah. Phil and Lil who are just kind of the bickering siblings, but also the gross ones because they always want to just eat random things or play yeah. in mud. They're, they're, I mean, all, all the kids are kind of gross, but they're, they go out of their way to be gross. And then, of course, there's the toddler Angelica, who's Tommy's cousin. She's a little bit older. She can communicate with both the parents and the babies which is kind of a weird position to be in because she never translates between the babies and the adults. She just kind of uses that to her advantage because she is the worst. They and Intentionally so. She is the worst person on the show. She is just selfish and manipulative. She's also one of the only characters that looks human, I found. She is just as misshapen as anyone <laughs> else. Are you kidding me? On a scale, yeah. on, a, on a sliding scale, I think she looks probably the most human. Her face is as white as my shoulders on your neck. What are you talking about, Julian? <laughs> well, everyone has a neck like me on that show. <laughs> <laughs> They all look like E.T. So those are the kids. Those are the main kids. There's there's other kids that kind of come in and out, but those are the main ones. Then we have the parents. There's Tommy's parents, Stu and Dee Dee. Stu is kind of this wacky inventor. He's trying to be a toy inventor, but he's never really successful. I don't know how this family makes money because I don't think he works and neither does Dee Dee Pickles, the mother who's kind of this neurotic person who's constantly referencing. Well, she at least has a part-time job. Oh, yes, she She's a she, she takes Tommy to school right. to do like home ex sort of stuff. So she at least has a part time job. God, imagine being sure able she... to afford a middle class life <laughs> with a part time teaching job. I mean, I think the idea is that Stu's supposed to be an inventor and sells his inventions, right? But he never seems to be able to. He has that one meeting, doesn't he, in like episode three where he meets the, the head of this toy company who then says, I want you to join the team. Yeah, if it wasn't for Tommy's mischief. No, he brings him on at the end. Yeah, but if it weren't for Tommy's mischief, he would have just bombed the interview. It's true. And we never hear about that 
guy ever again. It, he just kind of goes back to tinkering in his basement. So the show is just basically, oh, well, we're done with that storyline. Yeah. We're just going to go ahead and ignore that. Then there's Phil and Lil's parents. You have Betty, who's kind of the alpha female of that family. She's got the, the sweatshirt with... Yeah, she has the female symbol on her shirt. She wears a headband. She's just in charge. Her husband, Howard, just kind of like cows to whatever she does. I don't think I heard Howard complete a sentence in this entire season. Anytime he just wants to say something, she jumps in. You know? He gets one sentence in the oh, pilot. Okay. <laughs> no, he gets like two sentences in the pilot that he's allowed to... Have a complete thought of his own. Then there's Chucky's dad, Chaz, who's basically just adult Chucky, this mouse of a man who is scared of everything. And then there's Grandpa. The best character on the show. The best character. Oh my God. Yeah, he is just a grumpy <laughs> old man. And as at least John and I identify with him a lot, Jules, I don't know about you, but just the grumpiness and the every time Tommy's parents get really anxious about something that's really painful, Petty. He's just like, you guys are crazy. And back in my day, we had to walk 15 miles. He is obsessed with 15. Why wouldn't I identify with that? <laughs> what are you saying about me? <laughs> we didn't want to speak for you, John. And I had had this discussion behind my back. Well, yeah, we yes. <laughs> I mean, not related to this podcast, but yes, we are conspiring against you constantly. Not paranoia. If everyone's out to get you. <laughs> Exactly. All right. So now that we've kind of set up Rugrats, we're going to take a quick break and we will start breaking down the pilot episode. Excuse me, are you Stu and Dee Dee Pickles? We are. What's the problem, officer? Uh, Mr. and Mrs. Pickles, I, I hate to be the one to tell you this, but your son Tommy is dead. My baby! What happened? He was wandering around unsupervised and got himself into a neighbor's wood chipper. It's, uh, it's pretty bad. Huh, man. I never thought getting caught up in your own petty, yuppie bullshit and ignoring your own infant son would have consequences. What? I wonder if Lipshit says anything about what to do if your child goes through a wood chipper. Wow, you two are terrible parents and going straight to jail. Oh, come on, officer. Is that really necessary? Your child died because you weren't paying attention to him. No, let's let's go. What if I gave you a reptar bar? I'm sorry, are you seriously trying to bribe your way out of going to jail for negligently killing your kid with a candy bar? Two reptar bars? Make it three. Here it is. Chapter five. So your child has gone through a wood chipper. <laughs> all right and we're back and we're first gonna break down the pilot episode of rugrats called tommy's first birthday it is the only episode so far that we've at least that i've seen where it's an entire half hour usually they break the episodes into two smaller episodes this is a complete episode that takes up the entire 22 minutes of the show now before we get into the actual story i think we should talk about the intro just a little bit because it's an iconic intro sequence yeah basically tommy is trying to find his bottle and on the way a robot cat charges at him 
<laughs> but before he gets there, there's, there's this epic drum roll that kind of brings you in. And Tommy's doing a handstand and his diaper falls out of the air. Yeah, what was he doing that the diaper was already midair? I don't know. Tommy <laughs> can levitate diapers. I think that's there's a secret superhero story that we're not aware of. It's sort of the discerning characteristic is that he wears that big diaper. So it's like yeah. that. Ta-da, yeah. like a hat in the head. <laughs> <laughs> the music for the entire show, like it's got this very, you know, light kind of xylophone sort of music, but they definitely scored this entire show on a $20 Casio keyboard. This was not <laughs> high budget music at all. It sounds like music used from toys, basically. It's baby toy music somehow. That is just a fully from a synthesizer. You can't. It doesn't sound like a little toy xylophone though. It doesn't sound like a little toy horn. It's obviously through a synthesizer. Exactly. Tommy gets out of his headset and we see Grandpa. Grandpa is just asleep in his chair in front of a TV. Doesn't give a fuck about what's going on around him. In the distance, you see Chucky and he's riding a vacuum cleaner. Just madness going on. And then Tommy sees his bottle and he falls over and he just tries to like he falls over flat on his face. And then he immediately tries to like start sucking on the bottle that's just out of reach. He's making like a little sucky face. And that's what Jules mentioned. He sees the this toy cat who wound up this toy cat. Why is it walking? Fuck you, that's why. It's a robot cat. It's a robot cat, but who started the robot cat? Who knows? Stu. You see Phil and Lil running, and they they fuck some shit up. They they run around, and they immediately see this desk next to the front door. Just jump on it, fucking tear the phone right off of it. Throw the papers around. Every just yeah, fuck this desk up. So Tommy shoots the cat with his bottle. This will be a trope that comes in momentarily. We see Angelica. She exits the closet by the door. She's wear she's got adult clothes over her. They don't fit. She's dragging Spike the dog with her but she's got the bone in her mouth she's got a dog bone in her mouth and as she's turning the corner chucky comes by on the vacuum cleaner snags the head which pulls the hose off and sprays angelica with dust i did want to mention real fast about tommy shooting the robot cat is that there is an ongoing theme of alien babies versus battle robots throughout this show which keeps coming back Who's the battle robot? The robots that happen throughout. It's in the Halloween episode. It's in the opening episode, which we'll get to. But constantly, it's the battle between babies and robots. I was actually considering that as another (laughs) title. So then Stu and Dee Dee, Tommy's parents, come home and don't give a single fuck about the mess that's clearly (laughs) in front of them. Don't give a fuck. And I think they kind of imply that maybe that people got cleaned up because Angelica is like just back in her normal clothes, kind of brushing off the last of the dust. And all the kids just come to greet these parents. It's really creepy. They're all just like looking at the parents and smiling. It's a it's a horror TV series, I swear. If it weren't for the music, this would be, <laughs> this would be this would be horror. This would be horror in its purest form. Isn't that childhood? Oh, with the deep cuts. <laughs> I'll get to it later. I'll get to it later. Yeah, somebody's got to take Rugrats and just put it to Children of the Corn music. <laughs> It would be terrible. And then you got your horror right there. <laughs> Stu and Dee they pick up Tommy, and then Tommy looks right past them directly at you, the audience. <laughs> I guess Tommy knows that he's in a cartoon. He aims his bottle, splashes us, the audience. There's definitely something Freudian going on there. And you see the Rugrats logo, and that is the intro. Like I said, I'm, I'm terrified. <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, if you, if, you, if you need to stop at any point, you know, get some water, take some deep breaths, we, we totally get it. It's okay. So long as I know you guys are still conspiring behind my back, I'll be okay. <laughs> okay. You can always count on us. You can always count on us. <laughs> All right, so now Tommy's first birthday episode starts, and we see the world through Tommy's eyes. They open up, and Stu and Dee Dee are hanging up a birthday sign because it is Tommy's birthday. My first note on this is Tommy looks like an alien, and I think he gets it from his mom. <laughs> you need to go a lot easier on Tommy. <laughs> yeah, poor poor kid. It's frustrating because he's such a well-written character, but every time I look at him, he just... Ugh. Well, he wasn't fully formed. The reason he has like that adventurous and fighting spirit is they designed the character as a preemie. He, he was born prematurely. So I'm going to need you to get all the way off of Tommy's back. It's not his fault. His face wasn't completely shaped yet. Guys, I think we need to address the real issue here is that Tommy is in a red shirt and that is bullshit. Anybody who's seen the show knows that Tommy is supposed to be wearing a powder blue shirt. And a diaper, but he's wearing a red shirt and like shorts overalls. Yeah, he looks like... He's trying to dress up as Mario is what's happening. Perfect. Yes, he looks like a mini Mario and it's not okay. <laughs> it is not okay. It's not okay. When you have, you, Tommy's supposed to be in a powder blue shirt and a diaper case closed. He wears a red shirt twice in this first season. He wears one in this episode, and I believe the second one is the sleepover episode. He wears it twice. And then I think somebody said, no, that's ridiculous. You need to change the color of that shirt. So, spoiler alert, Tommy does not wear a red shirt outside of this episode and one other. So they take Tommy out of the bed, and Stu just keeps yapping about this awesome present that he's building for Tommy, and Dee Dee's completely ignoring him because she's got to change his poopy diaper. And Stu flips out over this poopy diaper and I get it Stu there's a reason why I don't want to have kids because if I can get through life not having dealt with another human being's shit I think I've won that's just me that's just me you clearly haven't worked in Hollywood for long enough (laughs) (laughs) and after this podcast never again Jules it is time for us to start conspiring behind (laughs) Nick's Get ready to eat some uh, shit, my friend. Oh, <laughs> God. How much longer are you uh, in South Carolina? Oh, I've going to now, I live here now. I know where his apartment is. <laughs> I live here now after this episode. Dee Dee dresses Tommy. Stu keeps blabbing about the toy, blah, blah, blah. And then Tommy still starts yanking on Dee Dee's earring as they leave the room. And Stu is apparently a terrible husband because he just ignores the fact that his wife is in pain as they leave to go to the kitchen. I have a music note here because the lighthearted music distorts to this sort of twisted version of it. And this is the second engagement of the horror just being woven into the story so beautifully. Well, yeah, a woman's about to get her ear ripped open (laughs) you know you gotta build that tension So they go to the kitchen and Dee Dee starts consulting Lipschitz. Now, who is Lipschitz? I love that name. It's a great name. I, I couldn't get my get the song from Chicago out of my head. The cell block tango. Cicero, Lipschitz. Anyway. <laughs> maybe that's where they got it from or maybe it's because it sounds like poopy lips who knows i think they just wanted to say shit really bad and they just tried to find the closest thing and they found a great way to be able to say it multiple times in a children's exactly show. it's a conspiracy of writers and directors here how many shits can we get into a kids show 
you know that there's one kid who was just learning how to talk, watched this show, and went to their parents and just said, shit. You Whip know there was shit. one. It shit. Whip shits. <laughs> So Lipschitz, if we haven't made it clear at this point, he's some child expert who we will later learn is completely fraudulent, not actually an expert. I almost nominated his book as a main character of the show with the number of times that Dee Dee references it. Oh, easily. The book should have its own Wikipedia page. It's just so central to most plots. They, they're trying to feed Tommy. They're like, you know, Lipschitz says we got to put on a little performance to get him to open his mouth. And who the fuck has time for this? I, again, I've never been a parent, but this just seems like the hardest way to do this. No, it happens. It, it happens? happens? It happens, yeah. Yeah. Airplane coming in for a landing, all that kind of, Yes, it is absolutely a thing that happens. Yeah, basically the performance he's talking about is coming in for a landing with the rocket ship spoon and Tommy's not having any of it. Dee Dee starts going through the checklist for this birthday and it sounds like the worst party ever carrot cake health food cake i don't know what it is it sounds awful pin the tail on the donkey but with suction cups because that's safer and i'm like "Mm mm-hmm Sounds like my childhood. And then a puppeteer, which is like, seems fine, but she's very particular about this. And Tommy's not paying attention because Tommy is watching this commercial for dog food. And the dog on the commercial is definitely not a dog because both of its eyes are on one side of its face. (laughs) Oh God, Peppa Pig would look at this dog and be like, you look weird. grandpa is in the kitchen he's getting ready and he's again the best character he's making fun of them for getting uptight about a child's first birthday party plus he's the only one who empathizes with tommy you know says well i wouldn't eat this shit either (laughs) looking at his carrot puree that they're trying to jam into his mouth what i love about this scene is that it's so perfectly emblematic of the early 90s yuppie parent Dee Dee says to grandpa you know oh this birthday party's rated number one by birthday magazine And Stu says, do we really want to be remembered as the family that settled for less? Boomers in a nutshell, right there. I don't have any memory of something like that. I don't know if my parents just went yuppie parents or what exactly. I'm saving my memories for the end. No, I I, I had very yuppie parents, so I I identified with this show a lot. And then Tommy gets food all over Stu's shirt, and he starts freaking out about his shirt. His $75 shirt. $75 in the early 90s. What's that, like $5,000 now? I don't know how money works, but... I'm really bad at time exchange rates. And so Tommy from this commercial he gets it into his head that he could become a dog by eating dog food and again we we start to see the neglect of these parents well and the commercial has a line of like the dog food's so good you'll wish you could eat it yes that's where it gets the idea planted right and we do just sort of skate past the whole tommy can understand english yeah he completely comprehends the world around him Exactly. It's, it's it's the inspiration for Stewie on Family Guy, and you know, so I don't get it. Can can the baby and the family interact, or what's exactly going on here? And as we mentioned, Angelica can talk to both parents and babies. So why is she not translating? There's a whole muddy thing because going on. Because she's here. a bitch. <laughs> she is. <laughs> We can delve into her more when she appears in the episode, but basically everything about this character was specifically designed for you to love to hate her. Or just, you know, hate her. There's no love. (laughs) She was a little spoiled, but I don't think she was that hateable. Well, that tells us a lot about you. (laughs) 
now I really want to get there. So yeah, Tommy tries to, he tries to eat. So the dog's name is Spike, tries to eat Spike's dog food and gets caught by grandpa. And that whole gets kiboshed. We meet Howard and Betty. Howard and Betty, Phil and Lil, we talked about them earlier. They come because they're here for the birthday party. And we get the first of grandpa's talking about back in his day. He goes on about, you know, back in my day, we didn't have puppet shows. And we had to go 15 miles, which is grandpa's catchphrase, 15 miles. And Betty hears some crazy noises coming from Stu's basement. Grandpa explains that he's making Tommy's birthday. We go down into the basement and we see Stu working on this like hovercraft. Yeah, with the ominous music. He is suburban Dr. Frankenstein. He really is. He is. And if you watch more episodes in the season, there's definitely some madness going on in that workshop. So now we go back to the playpen where it's now Tommy, Chucky, because Chucky came with Phil and Lil's parents. This is the first glimpse of the ball from Pixar, by the way. Yep, we see the ball from Pixar. And Tommy turns to his friends and says, Phil, Lil, I got one word for you. Dog food. Those are two words, Tommy. I get that that was done on purpose, but not too smart right out the gate. This is the issue with the whole English thing, right? (laughs) Exactly. Did you guys notice that Tommy's voice in this episode is really different to how he is in the other episodes? It's really raspy, like he's been smoking a lot of cigarettes. (laughs) I mean, it's tough. It's tough being a baby guy. (laughs) You could just like check Tommy like outside the house being like, fucking hell, man, this nap time. It was a preemie, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Tommy explains that he thinks that if you eat dog food, you'll turn into a dog and all the kids are down for it. We need to talk about Phil and Lil because they're super psyched about this because they say, oh, does that mean we get to lick people and wear collars? (laughs) That that left out to me too. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and they want fleas. And they want fleas. I mean, I don't want to kink shame a toddler, but that's <laughs> weird. You guys are just some weird shit, Phil and Lil. So yeah, when you were talking about them being the disgusting ones, that was the first thing I jumped to was for this episode. How they <laughs> yeah. want to have fleas and roll around in the grass. Yes. The one best parts of being both really young and really old is you can get away with saying shit like that. <laughs> it's one of the things I'm looking forward to when I'm an old man. I'm going to say shit like that. I want fleas. I want to lick people. <laughs> For 15 miles. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to disturb all the nurses at the home. And they're going to have this episode to prove that it was all premeditated. <laughs> And then, of course, Chucky, he's a Debbie Downer because he doesn't want to become a dog. I don't know, Tommy. That's his catchphrase. I don't know. Actually, he's the one who brings up fleas. He's like, you know, I don't want to. You could get fleas as a dog. And that's when Phil are like, fleas? Fuck yeah. Fuck let's, get yeah. Some fu- <laughs> let's get some fucking fleas up in this bitch. <laughs> So then Dee Dee comes in with Betty and immediately puts party hats on all the kids and starts taking photos. And again, my childhood, just being constantly photographed at all times for all situations. I've posed for so many photos growing up. It was... It was triggering is what it was. Is that a generational thing? I'm pretty sure parents do that in every generation if they can. I think the yuppie generation kind of started it because it was the first time when cameras were less expensive 
expensive, more portable, and you could get them developed faster. The idea of like the one hour photo turnaround. I remember reading Mad Magazines from the early to mid 90s, and it was just all about making fun of yuppie parents just photographing their kids at all times. I remember this one picture where a parent is in the bathroom while their kid's trying to take a shit, and they've got one of those like 90s over the shoulder video cameras. Just like it always looks ludicrous, yeah, but nowadays it's just the same, except everyone's got a cell phone and they all think it's super important that everyone Facebook sees that. Right. We just watched our parents do it and now we do it with our phones. Yeah, I want a tangent about, this is probably going to get cut, but I do want a tangent about what you said about Facebook really quick. In these 90s shows, there are so many times where there's an episode about how they have to go over to someone else's house who's back from vacation, and they always have the photo album or the slideshow, and it's the most boring fucking thing in the world for everyone watching it. (laughs) It's so true, yeah. And now, our actual culture is that we willingly do it. We go out of our way to see the slideshow. Let me see where you posted. Let me see what my fr- what pictures did you put up today? <laughs> Wait, do you guys actually look at those photos? I go out of my way to ignore them. I'm not on any of the platforms, so that's that's how strongly I feel about this bullshit. I do not have an online presence except for like this podcast. Less so these days, but yeah, I mean, back when I was more active in social media, that was generally what I did. But then it was always just look at one photo and then leave. Yeah, because it's like, oh man, they're at a place and I'm broke as fuck and I can't go to Belize, so. Like, that's the Great Wall of China and that's awesome. Okay, now I'm just really pissed that I couldn't see it and so I move on. Motherfucking FOMO. So Didi mentions to Betty that Angelica's coming and the kids are all like, Angelica? And they collectively shit their pants. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Like, you know this is a bad thing. And so Angelica is driving to the party. She's sitting in the back seat, being driven by Drew. Drew, uh, I don't think we mentioned earlier, but he is Stu's brother. And Angelica's pretending that she really wants to play with Tommy, but what she really wants is his birthday present. She spends the entire like, car ride over trying to get his present that's on the back seat with her. Yeah, pretty standard. Bitch. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, that's that's. I guess that's all the the response that requires. I do want to mention her introduction once she gets to the playpen. Yeah. Yes. I mean, she's she's not as bad in this episode, so I can kind of see what Julian was saying earlier. Oh, she's not that bad. But that's this episode. That's this episode. They get to Stu, Dee Dee, and Tommy's house, and Stu is wrapping Tommy's present. He's apparently finished building it, and I think Stu had the first ring camera because he's in the he's in the basement, and this thing says doorbell. <laughs> doorbell and i love this so much fan theory coming up by the way so he turns on his there's like a two-way camera system and he sees drew and angelica standing outside he's like hey big bro because we gotta use expositional dialogue so we know who's who and he says hey Stu, where are you and i'm in the back of my mind i'm thinking hey drew you can see where he is there's a screen in front of you he's clearly in the basement Is this the latest invention? Like, Drew's never come over and known about the basement two-way? Apparently not, or maybe there's other places in the house where they can do this two-way video communication, but he can clearly see it's the basement. There's enough of a field of view that he can see that it's the basement. This is where my fan theory comes in, because I'm pretty sure this is Jabba's palace. And uh, <laughs> this is Jabba's he's, he's okay. operating the communicator, you know, and, you know. Oh, the clearly... little globe thing that <laughs> exactly, comes out yeah. of the... Exactly, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, as I'm miming this for the camera for all the people yeah, who will never see this. Yeah, you can see John is doing an arm and he's flipping me up. <laughs> yeah, the, the TV monitor comes out on this sideways scissor lift extender arm thing. So super duper high tech. We've got all these diverse aliens all puttering about, getting excited, and uh, it's it's Jabba's birthday, and uh, this is the camera operator greeting the guests. <laughs> John is not happy about that. <laughs> yeah, he does not like that fan theory, but you know we're gonna let the we're gonna let the listeners decide whether or not they. they <laughs> I'm agree trying with to you. work out who the other people, like what other characters they would be in the respective. Subscribe universe. and give us five stars if you. <laughs> <laughs> So Stu lets them in, and this is the craziest thing. He doesn't say a word to Angelica. He just goes down, gives her a greeting smooch, and then immediately starts talking to Drew about his his toy that he's super psyched to give to Tommy that's really high tech. And no adult actually greets Angelica in this show. Later on, when she's in the playpen, Dee Dee comes in, puts a party hat on Angelica, takes a bunch of photos of her with the other babies, and then leaves. Doesn't say a word to her. No adult, except for her father, acknowledges her existence verbally. It's nuts. I totally did not pick up on that at all. <laughs> well, me neither, actually. I mean, uh, once she does get into the playpen and all the babies fearfully cower into the corner you get a great nosferatu shadow of angelica you know this is i swear they got horror film directors german existentialist movie lovers and they and they put them all into directing and animating this movie uh, this episode tv show episode you know when we do season two i'm definitely going to be on the lookout for that more because i it kind of makes sense it feels right well yeah because she's the terror she is the monster of this show but they're able to turn the tables on her pretty quick because dog food. But before they talk about dog food, she immediately like grabs Tommy by the scruff of his neck and like says like, look, when the presents get opened, I get first pick of your toys. That's not how birthday parties work. The grownups aren't right. going to let you do that. I mean, if that's the fantasy you want to live, Angelica, go for it. But I don't see the point of that line. Clearly, you never had a sister. <laughs> no, I have never had a sister. I was the oldest child. And if I pulled and I'm the young so <laughs> but no no there was always that sense of this is whether it was birthday or christmas or whatever it's like no that's his presence he gets to play with them yeah we were encouraged to share but man if i ever tried to like pull my brother up by the scruff of his neck i would be in the deepest of shit that was not tolerated like all this you know the bullying that elder siblings usually got to do growing up i was not allowed to do at all so probably a good thing but at the same time i feel like i might have missed out something what i'm hearing is you weren't smart enough to wait till they were gone no i was not <laughs> i was not just didn't cross my mind you and your well-adjusted sibling relationship belong nowhere near <laughs> me or john <laughs> to flip it my brother had this toy that i loved and always wanted to play with and he would never let me and i eventually decided at one point to cut out the middleman and directly go to my parents and just say that he wouldn't let me play with the toy to which he replied that i never even asked <laughs> God damn, did I get in so much trouble for that? <laughs> <laughs> Thought I was oh. a clever little shit. Well played, John's brother. <laughs> he didn't even ask. <laughs> Angelica puts Tommy down and they tell her about the dog food plan they have. They're going to go try and get some dog food. And again, 
what's it with these kinky fucking kids? She's like, could I wear a collar with spikes on it? Could I even bite the mailman? Like, whoa, dude, you're five. Like, let's style it back a bit. No, she's not even five. She's supposed to be like three years old. It's true. And I specifically wrote this down. Angelica likes spike collars and biting people while everyone else wants to roll on the grass with fleas. I can't wait for COVID to be over (laughs) so I can bite the mailman again. Yes, let's let, let's have that be our like you know end of COVID party. We'll just all come over to Julian's house and Wait we'll for all the bite. <laughs> Wait for the postman. <laughs> so before they can you know get the dog food, they got to start planning stuff. And Tommy draws a really shitty map to the kitchen and draws circles on the carpet. It was really badly drawn. And then two Jewish stereotypes walk in. <laughs> Yeah, this, oh is, this is where my Jabba's palace theory is confirmed because they are clearly not human. <laughs> they are clearly, no. For people at home wondering like what we're talking about, Tommy's other grandparents show up. These are Dee Dee's mom and dad, and they are supposed to be Jewish. But their portrayal is, I don't know if you can say this, but too Jewish. Very stereotypical. I mean, even Hitler would have been like, hey guys, you know, this is a little much. Maybe if we tone this down a bit. Wow. Well, the subtitle said Polish accent. It came across very Russian to me. I'm not sure. If you think we're just overstating this, the Anti-Defamation League made complaints about the portrayal of these grandparents. No joke. Was it part in due because of their theme music? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) I'm serious. Every time they are the focus of what's happening on screen, the music changes. Oh, it is basically you think that they're going to break out into Hava Nagila at any moment. That's that's just their theme music. And they're speaking Yiddish, but like in, in a way that like is very insistive. Like I, I don't know how to describe it. It's like they're making a point to be like, hey, look at all this Yiddish being spoken. It's crazy. So yeah, so f- for folks who don't know, the Anti-Defamation League, if you do an anti-Semitism on your show, they're the ones who are going to let you know about it. And we look forward to your call, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, we're just pointing it out. <laughs> yeah, so the show has been praised for like being, because they do Hanukkah episodes later on, and they the show has been praised for its portrayal of Jewish culture, but they got really criticized for how they showed. Yeah, the grandparents are not part of that. Yeah, they are not part of the positive portrayal. And Tommy manages to break away again because the parents never watch their damn kids in the show. And once again, old people fuck up Tommy's plan to get dog food because they yoink him in the kitchen and they start giving grandparents smooches to him and now it is time to open the presents so everyone gets into the the living room first thing that gets opened is a fire truck and then Stu brings in his toy and he opens it up because obviously Tommy can't open it up and he says this is my hoverama and this is the thing that he's been tinkering on in the basement it looks like a hovercraft mixed with like a 1950s sci-fi spaceship Mm -hmm. that is my best description of it and it's supposed to fly and he can't fly because he forgot the batteries I mean just the idea that you want your one-year-old to start hovering around your house is just fantastic. (laughs) Yeah, your kid who doesn't even know that dog food is two words, we're going to give him a hovercraft. Or that, because he has a remote control, he wants to fly his one-year-old around. No, it's basically a drone. Basically a drone. Yeah, we we have these now. They just don't look like this. Yeah, we have the quadcopters and whatnot. So while the parents are talking about, you know, how this is kind of a over-the-top toy, Chucky clandestinely steals the remote control. Not for any character reasons, but the plot needs him to. 
Yeah, pretty much. I mean, okay. Yeah, no. yeah <laughs> that's what happens. Yeah. Yeah, cool. I nailed it. <laughs> and then Howard has his present, and it's a baby monitor. And this turns into like weird guy talk about it's voice activated, and you can talk back to the baby. And I'm sorry, but the parents' reaction here is perfect. That is how human beings react. Oh, th- this is especially how guys would react, especially when you said you can talk back. They're walkie talkies that you don't have to push the button on. Exactly. This is 100% a genuine reaction for any any guy who picks up a walkie-talkie. Whatever their age, they're going out and they're starting to see what these babies can do, ignoring their actual babies. Yeah, they run out in the yard, let's see how much range we can get, let's, you know, break a breaker, copy that. Yeah, they start doing trucker lingo into the the baby monitors. They react to these baby monitors the way we probably all reacted to the first iPhone. Meh? No, I reacted with meh. I, okay, maybe not the first iPhone. <laughs> what was a cool... Wow, totally blank. Some awesome piece of tech. That... <laughs> Think of a really current piece of tech that has you in awe, and that is how... <laughs> you like to arse around with walkie-talkies. That's just a human thing, I think. As soon as yeah. you find walkie-talkies, you have to fuck around with them. Oh, you gotta fuck yeah. around with them. Especially, like, those ones that you could put on your wrist. Oh god, I never got a chance to use those. That was heartbreaking. Those are the best. Those were analog Apple watches. It was great. (laughs) So once again, Tommy's able to sneak away because these are neglectful parents who don't watch their kids. But he gets caught again by his mom. And Tommy just bawls his eyes out. He starts crying because he can't eat dog food because kids are stupid. (laughs) I bet you he's not the only kid on planet Earth who has cried because he couldn't eat dog food. Yeah, I was going to say that Tommy's crying mirrors my reaction to the new Star Wars movies. (laughs) That's just, you know, not angry anymore. I'm just really upset and sad, and I just want to get it all out, you know? This episode has way too many Star Wars references. Yeah, I know. I realized that a little too late. We're on the first episode. (laughs) (laughs) So Dee Dee is freaking out that the party is terrible. Yeah, you know, oh my gosh, everyone thinks the party's terrible. You're with your closest friends. Like, you can't have things go slightly wrong with your closest friends. How neurotic are you? exceptionally exceptionally neurotic then this oh this joke she's like oh no i just want to be like those moms on tv and betty's like oh well tv's not real but we are ha 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 the tv show says that tv's not real why did tv shows and movies think that was smart it was probably like funny the first time and then just everyone had to do it (laughs) i can't understand that ever being funny So the doorbell rings, they go outside, and it's the delivery guys dropping off the puppets. And I love the delivery guy, because he gives gives zero zero fucks. fucks. Oh, wow, we said that together. Because Dee Dee's like, oh, hey, you're the puppeteers. Do I look like a puppeteer, lady? You know he wanted to say fuck. You know he said, do I I look like a fucking puppeteer? You know he wanted to say that, but it's a kid's show, and they wouldn't let him. But this is what John is like in his spare time. Do I look like a puppeteer? I'm just dropping this shit off for your kids' party. And Dee's all, How do we have a puppet show without puppeteers? And this guy's basically like, It's your problem. You figure this shit out and you're on your grown up. Yeah, like I got the inventory list right here. I got one puppet stage and one box of puppets. Does it look like there's fucking puppeteers here? No. 
And then Dee Dee freaks out because the puppeteers aren't coming. And she grabs the walkie from Stu and she's like, all men report to the living room over. And Stu's just like, that's not how trucker lingo works. <laughs> that's the comeback. Not, oh my God, what's wrong? That's not how trucker lingo works, honey. <laughs> yeah, you're not doing radios right. <laughs> I enjoyed that line, actually. I thought that was well done. <laughs> and so the, everyone comes in, and Dee Dee's like, oh, no, oh my gosh, there aren't any puppeteers. And Grandpa has the best line. He just says, good, let's just get right down to eating cake. <laughs> Grandpa's the only one who has any grasp of reality. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, good, episode over. Let's just fucking eat cake and let's be done with this bullshit. But no, there must be a puppet show. There must be a puppet show. And Stu's like, hey, Drew, why don't you and I do a puppet show? And Drew's just like, no, dude, we're shit brothers. Like, we're not, we have a terrible relationship. Relationship. Well, he's not saying this. This is all subtext. Well, it be- basically becomes text. They, they worked out <laughs> all of their emotional issues with the puppet yeah. show. Yeah, the show becomes a therapy Spoiler session. Spoiler alert for, <laughs> for two minutes later. <clears throat> <laughs> so they start doing this puppet show, and they're doing Little Red Riding Hood, and we have to talk about how Stu pronounces Red Riding Hood. He goes, Little Red Riding Hood. And I'm like, that's the wrong emphasis. What? It's been a while. It's been a while. Cool whip. Cool whip. <laughs> <laughs> Why does everyone hate the pronunciation of H? H can be pronounced. You don't have to leave H out of the alphabet. Yeah, if you're a weirdo. But no, for anyone who's, who's listening there, it's little red riding hood. The emphasis is on the riding. Hood. Hood. <laughs> with a, it's, it's hood with a hood. K. It's hood. Yeah, with a K. It's silent K. Hood. No, that's what gives you that guttural. And Drew sucks at Little Red Riding Hood. This was great. Oh, God, he's so bad. Drew comes in as Little Red Riding Hood. He's like, oh, Grandma, what big ears you have. Why, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) That's just it. You know, oh, and what big ears you have. And it's like, yes, those are for hearing. Extremely literal Red Riding Hood. I am all for it. This is why we don't improv much, because that's the kind of crap that comes (laughs) (laughs) yes if we ever start a patreon we'll we'll do puppet shows improvised puppet shows for the patrons how about that (laughs) again because the parents are terrible not watching their kids they're watching this puppet show where Stu and drew are breaking down and starting to like bring up unresolved shit from their childhood the kids get up and they fuck off into the kitchen to try and get dog food so they go in and tommy gets on top of angelica to try and get this can of dog food from the top shelf and angelica is struggling she says what do you weigh now 20 25 pounds? I guess baby weight joke. I don't know. And then the craziest thing happened. Like, again, remember how Chucky took the remote control for plot reasons? Now it is time for those plot reasons to happen because Chucky just takes out this remote control. He slaps in some batteries. Why does Chucky have batteries? Fuck you. He has batteries. Maybe Chucky has like genre awareness. Like he realizes he's in a show because he doesn't just pull it out and pop the batteries in. It's this very dramatic raise it up over his head, slam them together together <laughs> moment like he's expecting a beam of light that he leveled up or some shit i am the power <laughs> <laughs> yes he has his his he-man moment <laughs> Again, the kids clearly know what English is because he knows that this remote control makes the toy fly. How does he know how to fly the toy? Fuck you, the plot <laughs> needs Chucky to know how to fly the hoverama. This is real life, remember? Not a TV show. <laughs> 
<laughs> exactly. So if you've ever left your drone with your infant child, this is what happens. So the Havarama, which is in the living room, floats up while Drew and Stu are like crying about skateboards that were broken by one of them and just really petty shit that his adults have not let go or dealt with. Granddad literally leaps in with a puppet and says he's going to tan both their hides. That is parenting like I want to do. Corporal punishment, but only with a puppet. Exactly. Because he takes out the little wood shipper guy and he (laughs) smacks their puppets. So the Havarama comes in and it goes up. Chucky tries to push the can off the top shelf, but he ends up snagging Tommy and Angelica and now they're flying. And he loses control because Phil and Lil are fighting over the remote control and Chucky wrestles it back just in time to drop Angelica into an open sack of flour. This is not a kitchen sized bag of flour. This is for bakeries. Why is it in there? Again, fuck you. Because of carrot cake. Yeah, did they buy the carrot cake? Did she make the carrot cake? That's not made clear. I would say based on the fact that the bag of flour is open, she made it, not realizing that you only need like a fucking cup of flour and not 30 gallons. In her defense, I do that too. I have so many gigantic cases of flour where I just needed off a cup and I thought, well... Yes, but you bake regularly. (laughs) But they don't know that. They do now. (laughs) Chucky apparently just knows pilot lingo. I think this is pilot lingo because he says, don't worry, I'm going to bring him in over water. So he tries to fly the Havarama over the kitchen sink. Chucky becomes Sully later in life. This is Sully's origin story right here. And he he fucks that up. The Havarama is flying towards the door and Tommy yells, door, door. But the Havarama was able to go through the door on the way in. So why would they need to get the door on the way out? I know I'm overthinking this, but that was what I was thinking when I watched that moment. Well, because now it has two children attached to it and that's the opposite of how gravity works. That's a better explanation (laughs) than I could have come up with. And so we leave and like, Stu and Drew are now crying and apologizing to each other because they finally had a breakthrough over their petty childhood shit. And Tommy falls onto Spike in the living room and then the hover device falls into the carrot cake and Dee Dee's just like, oh, the party's ruined. Then the Jewish stereotypes go up and they start fighting with each other about the cake. About how it's not a chocolate cake. While their theme music plays. Yes, while not quite Hala Nagiba plays in the background. Just to give you to the audience a sense of the accents that they're going like, oh, so like back in the old country. like We're no longer in the old country. Why don't they have chocolate cake? It's, it's that level of stereotypical voice. And we're not even doing it justice. It's way worse than how we're doing it. I think they were trying to do almost gibberish where they spoke. I'm not sure why. But... No, they were definitely not going for gibberish. They were going for this. They were going for Yiddish. I mean, I don't know a lot of Yiddish, but I know enough where they were definitely doing Yiddish. And then Grandpa pulls out a... Grandpa, the 15 miles Grandpa, not Jewish stereotype Grandpa. Cool Grandpa. He pulls out a Swiss Army knife with the logo. Did you get clearance for this, Rugrats? Did you get a sponsorship deal from Victorinox? I don't think so. I think there's a lawsuit that should have happened. So he opens up a can of dog food, puts it on Spike's plate, and the kids finally get their dog food food because of parental neglect because of parental neglect again what's the moral of the story but again there'd be no show <laughs> yeah if the parents were good parents there would be no show we are we are nitpicking but that's our job we're here to nitpick all right 
So the kids eat the dog food, they hate how it tastes, but then they start acting like dogs, and the parents see that the kids are having fun at the birthday after all. And once again, Phil and Lil. Because they all spit the dog food out, but apparently they taste it a little bit because they're like, hey, how long does it work? And I think it was Phil who's like, nah, actually, it wasn't that bad. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of liked it, really. Yeah, they are the gross kids. <laughs> The parents gather around the kids playing like dogs. They take a photo. The photo ends up in a family album, and that is the end of the episode. All right, so we got two more episodes that we're going to break down. They're a lot shorter than the one we just did. So hang tight, and we'll be back with part two of Rugrats Season 1. Talk it in a little tighter, Tommy. Dad, what are you doing? Why is Tommy dressed like that? Stu, I've entered Tommy in the Little Miss Buffalo Bill competition. Buffalo Bill? You mean like from Silence of the Lambs? That's right. No, absolutely not. It puts the lotion on the skin or else it gets the hose again. Pop, you taught Tommy how to talk? All right, now calm down, Stu. If he wins, we get a Grass Blaster 4000 lawnmower. 4,000, huh? You know, that's a whole lot better than our Grass Blaster 3,999. Put the lotion in the fucking basket! No, no, move your hips more, Tommy. There you go. My bad father. Better than me. If we wanted to make a skin suit, we had to walk 15 miles! <laughs> All right, and we're back. You probably just heard our Little Miss Buffalo Bill sketch, and if you're wondering what the hell that was all about, we're going to tell you. It's about this episode that we watched as well. Uh, It's called Beauty Contest, although I would give it the alternate title, It's Okay to Misgender Your Child for a Boat. (laughs) Spoilers. I mean, yeah, it's the first two minutes of the episode, but still. You get on our case for spoilers. Shame on you. <laughs> Audience, you should have listened. You should have watched Rugrats by now. If you haven't seen Rugrats, it's your own fault. So we open up on Tommy. He's on his rocking horse. He's wearing a cowboy hat, and the TV behind him is playing a cowboy show. And Grandpa's reading the newspaper, and his first line of the show is Dag Burn Democrats. <laughs> and so <laughs> Grandpa Pickles is confirmed a Trump supporter. Sorry, folks. Uh, hey. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's how I wake up every day, but it's nothing to do with my political opinion. <laughs> <laughs> you cannot like Democrats and not be a Trump supporter. That is very true. So anyways, he yells, dang bird Democrats. And he flips to another page of his newspaper and he sees that there's a child pageant contest called Little Miss Lovely. And if you win the Little Miss Lovely contest, the father gets a king fisher 9000 boat and this is just so emblematic of the 90s everything is a something 2000 or a, <laughs> you, know, you have a gateway 2000 computer that you plug into your kingfisher 9000 fishing boat there was something about the number thou- like thousands upon thousands of numbers i'm really that- surprised that this boat didn't have features that were extreme with an x hyphen t r e m 
the only way to make it more 90s. And so it's clearly a pageant for girls. So Grandpa says, too bad Tommy isn't a girl. And in his mind's eye, he imagines Tommy as a little girl. <laughs> oh my God. This, this episode. It gets weirder because he says, hello, Tommy. In the same way the Animaniacs <laughs> say hello, nurse, when they're perving over. It was weird. <laughs> exact same intonation it was not comfortable to watch oh it gets even more uncomfortable oh it's about to get very uncomfortable immediately more uncomfortable i mean for me tommy still looks like an alien even in a dress (laughs) so did this just amplify your nightmares when you saw him (laughs) alien in a dress is just as terrifying as alien without a dress to me (laughs) but alien in a diaper is so adorable It does make it a little cuter, that's true. So Grandpa goes down to Stu, who's, you know, messing around in his basement, and he gives him the weirdest pitch to take Tommy to this pageant. I wrote this quote down, word for word. Grandpa walks in and says, Stu, you ever wish Tommy was a girl? And Stu's like, come again? I was just wondering what Tommy would look like in a dress. <laughs> And Grandpa is no longer allowed to be with Tommy alone. I'm just... (laughs) Might be the time to bring in the psychiatrist, you know. Grandpa had a good run. There's nothing wrong with cross-dressing. There's nothing wrong with any of that. But when you're, like, thinking about your one-year-old baby in a very, very... Like, I don't want to say pedo way, but it's kind of a pedo way that he's talking about Tommy being in a dress. That's the disturbing part about all this. But that was his whole lead-in to just, hey, we have a chance to... To win a boat like that's yeah that's, that's the all you angle. had to do that's the angle he came at it as let's think about your son in a dress wait why oh because <laughs> yeah definitely could have brought this up in a less creepy way but that's how grandpa wanted to do it and Stu was like no my son in a dress and then he gets really cool about it really fast when grandpa shows him the fishing boat that they could win <laughs> And by the way, if you're like someone who's not into fishing boats, I mean, and clearly the prize is geared towards men, it's clearly for the dads, this fishing boat, which is kind of unfair. Stu and Grandpa go up and they find Tommy, who's still rocking on his rocking horse, and they immediately start like futzing over him, but they're interrupted by the doorbell ringing. I am very disappointed by how short this dress-up montage was. I needed like 80s picking out the wedding dress type of montage. They they argue about a couple outfits and like that's it because they get distracted by fishing stuff this song had didn't exist yet but it definitely needed shania twain's man i feel like a woman it would have been perfect (laughs) so shania twain please go back in time and make that happen betty shows up with phil and lil and the words she uses she says let's pen these pups and brew some java (laughs) just yuppie speak it's it's beautiful and Stu barely gets the wig off of tommy and before Dee Dee and betty see it and then tommy He's talking to Phil and Lil about like, hey, so my dad and grandpa dressed me up like a girl. And Phil and Lil aren't like, cool, we're going to call Child Protective Services because that's weird. No, Phil and Lil are like, so? They are so fucking progressive. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. This is like such a progressive take on gender and gender norms because they're like, oh yeah, who cares? We're dressing up like a girl. Check this out. Like we switch places all the time. Nobody notices. So Phil takes Lil's bow, puts it in his hair. He pretends to cry and then Betty comes in and treats him like he's Lil and it's like oh yeah the girls like always cry more than the boys yeah all the progressive stuff we just had from the babies gets thrown out the window by their mom I made specific notes here 
earlier. <laughs> yeah. The girls always cry more. And then, as if the theme of this episode wasn't blatant enough, after setting Phil back down, she's like, all right, D, where were we? Talking about the differences between men and women. Oh, yeah. Here's the thing. If people want to know why our generation is a bunch of gender-fluid cultural Marxists, nothing wrong with being a gender-fluid cultural Marxist, but if you want to know how this came to be, it's because hippies made all our cartoons in the 90s and our parents weren't watching what we were watching and we <laughs> soaked it all the in. magic of neglect. I think, that, I think that's how that works. Far more controversial than I expected. <laughs> No, no, I say gender fluid culture Marxist jokingly. It's But the thing is, I know people now who like I could tell them about this episode and they'd go off on this those damn liberals trying to push their agenda, da 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 and I'm like, This is almost thirty years old, dude. Or actually it is at this point. This is thirty years old. There's an episode of this of Rugrats that we it's not in this episode, but it basically is like, Yeah, it's okay to be naked. It's just you know, and it's great. It's fine. Nudity's fine. But yeah, a lot of these ideals were absolutely in our TV shows. I'm remembering that for when we get to do live shows and that you were totally on board with nudity. (laughs) I hosted naked parties in college. Bring it on. (laughs) Listeners, you may not know this, but Nick constantly records naked. It's it's our cross to bear. (laughs) And um, just be happy that we don't actually stream this. Only the top level patrons get to come to our naked parties. Our naked parties? Yes. (laughs) I didn't want to be invited. (laughs) You gotta be there. Jules is one those people who's going to show up in a t-shirt that has abs on it exactly yeah <laughs> that's, that's how i rock it hello there fellow <laughs> naked people <laughs> i am a person who is also sans clothing <laughs> yeah growing up british anything even mildly controversial or exposing is you know against my very nature i'd shoot myself before i take off a shoe in public a shoe uh yeah jules you're showing a little too much ankle it's kind <laughs> disgraceful, of disgraceful i know Whew, my word yeah. i was gonna say oh, hot nice. all right <laughs> so anyway, uh, Stu and Grandpa sneak out to go to the contest. They've got a box full of girls' clothing and wigs. And also, can we talk about the fact that they're putting wigs on a one-year-old? I don't think a one-year-old has that much hair to begin with. Yeah, that was a bit odd. Well, I'm also wondering, where did they get wigs the size? Uh, why? No, not where. Why did they have wigs lying around the house that are the size for a one-year-old? Who knows? <laughs> I mean, it is Stu's Frankenstein basement, so... He's got a little bit of everything. A little everything. bit of everything. He's a bit of a hoarder. And so Dee Dee comes out, and there's this awkward moment because it's like, oh crap, she's gonna see what we're about to do with Tommy. But she goes off about this list of things. Do they have bottles? Do they have a change of diapers? Do they have this? Do they have that? And they're like, oh yeah, 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 we got this. We're, we're just gonna leave now. And they leave. It's like, oh, I forgot to ask them if they had rice crackers. And that's kind of what one of Dee Dee's things, like just very nervous about leaving the house with everything Tommy could possibly need. Wait, isn't there excuse, by the way, we're off to do things, manly things? I mean, that's my excuse whenever I'm leaving the house. <laughs> well, that's my know. excuse whenever it's Friday night and I don't want to socialize and I just want to take a bubble bath. I'm off to do things, manly things. <laughs> <laughs> with only the manliest bubble bath. What would go in a manly bubble bath? A monster truck. <laughs> a monster truck. That's his bath bomb. His bath bomb is like a Tonka-sized monster truck. <laughs> Essence of diesel. Essence of Vin, Vin Diesel. Essence of Vin or, uh, I was thinking diesel no. fuel, but Vin Diesel, my God. 
So they get to the competition and they dress Tommy up. We cut to backstage and Tommy hears Angelica because Angelica is also in this pageant and she's going to sing My Country Tis of Thee, but she can't get the words right. And it's amazing because instead of saying Sweet Land of Liberty, she says Sweet Land of Lizardy. And you know what? I'm okay with America being the Sweet Land of Lizardy. That's what I thought when I first arrived. All are little mistakes. The judges just find adorable. But what I really love about this pageant is the judges don't score at the end. And it reflects... They, like, score in real time. As it's happening. And as their opinions change about the performance, you see the scores go up and down. And this, and Angelica's getting... She, she comes out, dances across stage, she starts singing and getting the words wrong, and everyone thinks it's so goddamn cute. She's getting these great scores. And then she hits her final note. And it is so off pitch and horrible <laughs> that the scores plummet and people's eyeglasses oh, are God. breaking. The lenses are breaking in their frames. <laughs> and we have to mention that she bullied her way into singing the song because her her yes! first performance was a yes! dance number and she got like really, and she's like, okay, next up we have this other. No! And she's like, no, I want to sing my song. <laughs> and she Forces the audience to listen to her terrible remix of My Country Tis of Thee, Sweet Land of Lizardy. Alien conspiracy theory confirmed, by the way. How, how does this confirm lizard, your lizard alien conspiracy theory? No, just... Uh, oh, I'm an idiot, yep. While this is going on, Stu and Grandpa are in the audience, and they notice that Drew is there, and so is Dee Dee. So they're like, oh, fuck, they're going to see Tommy, and we're going to be in deep shit. Well, Stu is, we're going to be in deep shit. Grandpa is, I don't care, I want that fucking boat. Yes, because Grandpa is the best. (laughs) (laughs) Stu gets out of his seat and tries to go backstage to stop Tommy, who's going to go on as Little Miss Tonya. Not Tonya, or is it Tanya? Was it Tanya or Tonya? Tanya. Little Miss Tanya. And they just miss him getting on. Because Grandpa keeps trying to stop him. Yes, because Grandpa keeps trying to stop him because Grandpa's got his priorities straight. And Tommy... Priorities are straight by cross-dressing your grandkid. (laughs) Yep. I mean, look, if I ever have grandkids, I would totally cross-dress them to get a boat. Nothing more more straight than that is my point. (laughs) At that age, no one can tell. (laughs) Exactly. Well, that's their whole point. That's their whole plan exactly it's you know we're doing it to the kid (laughs) so tommy gets out there he's got his blonde wig on he's in a dress and he manages to enchant the audience with what i can only describe as a stripper routine the pole dances on the mic stand he is adorably clumsy stripper dance implies intent everything was accidental he had trouble walking okay fine he did an accidental pole dance and he (laughs) finishes the whole that's what we'll call it the accidental pole dance and then he finishes off this routine by flashing his diaper ass to the audience and they lose their fucking mind. The judges love it. I mean, that's the dream, really. You know, when your butt gets a standing ovation, that's it's your life is peaked. <laughs> you know, it's all downhill after that. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Living the dream. 
So Tommy, aka Tanya Pickles, wins. And when Dee Dee hears Tanya Pickles, she loses her shit and immediately goes up on stage and exposes Tommy as Tommy. And again, because no other adult that isn't her father will talk to her directly, they immediately take the crown off of Tommy and put it on Angelica without saying a word. It's just, she's now the winner. I kind of want to see how shitty all the other kids kids were because angelica when she was winning she was getting like 80s and 90s scores but when she did that last note of the song we're talking like 50s and below so how horrible was the rest of this pageant for them to have to sit through that she's still the winner must be really bad but again i feel like a pageant that has contestants between one and three years old you're not getting the best of the best oh of course not and i do kind of feel like the episode missed out on how horrific these kinds of competitions are I think we can blame Rugrats for Toddlers and TRs. I'm going to call it right there. I I think you're right. I'm going to make the poster. (laughs) I like Rugrats too much to um, insinuate its responsibility for Honey Boo Boo. But you found the connection, you know. And I will delete it. (laughs) Because that is what I, as a total human, am able to do. (laughs) It won't haunt my nightmares. (laughs) So, Jules, now you and I need to conspire against John <laughs> to make sure that that connection goes Way public. Ahead of you. <laughs> You're the editor. <laughs> Dee Dee and Stu drive home with Tommy, and they have left Grandpa behind because Grandpa needs oh, to think about what he did. Yeah, no shit. Yeah, Stu's like, shouldn't we wait for Grandpa? And Dee Dee's like, no, he can walk home and think about what he did. That's exactly what she says. And then Angelica and Drew drive up next to him. And Angelica's like very happy because she's got her little tiara from the competition. And they are hauling a trailer with the prize boat. And who is in the prize boat but Grandpa? Fucking Grandpa who's like, oh yeah, I got more than one grandkid in this pageant. (laughs) Yeah. And of course, he uh, he didn't want to actually walk his 15 miles on this particular occasion. Well, that was back in the day. That was back, back in, the, in day. the day. Of course, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Now he's going to boat 15 he's miles. He's going to boat down the road 15 miles. <laughs> The end. So these episodes get really quick. So we're going to do one more. This one is called Weaning Tommy slash Holy Shit My (laughs) Dreams. Oh, God. I was really quiet for the first episode because of these two. I've got there's just so much in both of these. As the title suggests, this one is about weaning Tommy off a bottle. And so we start naturally with Tommy drinking a bottle in his room. And Dee Dee and Stu walk in and say that Lipschitz says Lipschitz is, you know, a main character that never shows up except for that one time. And they say that they need to take him to the dentist because he's got a one tooth. But for some reason, Dee Dee doesn't want to call him a dentist as if Tommy will know what a dentist is? Yeah. yeah. She says, like, to call it the tooth fairy so that Tommy doesn't get scared by the word dentist. No... Exactly. This is no where the whole what a dentist Stewie, is. can he understand the family? Can the family understand Stewie issues starts to kick in a little... <laughs> They treat Tommy like a dog who knows what the word vet is, so you don't say vet in front of the dog because then the dog knows what's going to happen. That's how they. That's how they're treating Tommy in this. 
So we also find out that Stu is very scared of dentists. He's kind of like gets into this fantasy world about all the creepy drills and stuff that the dentist has. And once again, we see Dee Dee's psycho packing routine. She's got a checklist, everything she needs to leave the house. And good Lord, if there was ever a person who needed to just smoke a fat joint and chill the (laughs) fuck out, it is Tommy's mom. Uh, I do that too. Isn't that normal? I mean, normal if you are a hopeless neurotic. Depends on your definition of normal. I'm going to go with maybe. It's maybe normal. In your case, I'm going to say no, because she's doing it to take care of of another life. Fair enough, fair enough. I think I'll work on two or three others before I have myself committed. <laughs> so we are now in the dentist's office, and the dentist is a fucking weirdo. Yes! Can we just say that right? I mean, it's a common trope of people hating the dentist, even in real life, or, or you know, being scared of the dentist. I think it is legitimately earned in this case. This guy has no lips, and his teeth are half the size of the rest of his head. Like, he is almost all teeth. He is absolutely horrifying. Again, confirming Jules's theory that this is technically a horror. Technically a horror story. <laughs> oh, We'll get there. Oh, yes. (laughs) So Tommy doesn't want to open his mouth because why the fuck would you with this guy? Mm Mm-hmm. And he's trying to coax his mouth open, try to bribe him with a sucker. He eventually just like scares the shit out of him with a reptar mask. Yeah, he basically just goes boo, and as Tommy's about to scream, shoves his hand in his mouth. And he doesn't wear gloves. <laughs> oh, that's right. My orthodontist didn't wear gloves, and I've never wanted to kill his per. Yeah, my orthodontist was like, this old dude didn't wear like he put like some weird disinfectant powder on, which tasted fucking disgusting. But he did not wear gloves, and I've never wanted to kill a person so badly in my entire life than this guy who would fucking manhandle my mouth without gloves. It's disgusting. So I I was slightly triggered by this portrayal of a dentist, because he doesn't wear gloves either. Starts poking around at Tommy's one tooth. And yeah, he's like, okay, you gotta wean him off of the bottle because he has one baby tooth. His actual dentist advice in this scene is make sure you clean it. And then he sees that they have bottles and like shit goes off the rails. Oh my God. You're still giving up bottles. You have to, he has teeth now. You have to start weaning him. Yeah. He has a pull down image, you know, like a, like a, like a overhead projector screen, but it's got a picture on it of two kids. He's like, this one kid wasn't weaned off of his bottle and look how fucked up his teeth are. The guy looks like, I don't know. He's got rows of shark teeth in his mouth but this kid over here who was weaned off his bottle look how awesome his teeth are and hey man you're a dentist you know that this one tooth that's in his mouth now is gonna fall out right you know that's how teeth work i love that the old illustrate my point pull down sign the dentist has a pull down sign about bottle weaning i mean if you really listen like he notices something weird with Stu, and he does a a quick like feel of his jaw and mutters something about how he was weaned too late like right before this happens so this guy is just a fucking lunatic and again he puts his ungloved mouth ungloved hand in Stu's mouth his ungloved mouth (laughs) 
Sometimes I want to put a glove over your mouth, Nick. It's, it's such a temptation. <laughs> no glove, no love. I know you That's do. all I'm saying. No glove, no love. Uh, he, he tells me that every time we're about to start recording. But yeah, he puts his ungloved hand in Stu's mouth. And I think that's like you can legally kill him. You, if somebody puts their ungloved mouth in your hand, you can mouth legally in kill him. That is again. <laughs> ungloved mouth again. in your hand. I love that. You said ungloved mouth in your hand. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, whatever. Don't put ungloved things in another person's mouth if you don't want to get punched. I'm just saying. I just want to hear how you're going to edit around this. <laughs> I'm, prob- it's, I'm probably going to fail spectacularly. He's just going to have his own like solo recording session to fix everything. Oh, uh, oh shit! So now we're back in. <laughs> so the, now we're back in Tommy's room, and Stu and Dee Dee have decided that this is going to be his last night with the bottle, and it's kind of ominous as Tommy doesn't really know what's going to happen. And we wake up the next morning, and Tommy is introduced to his sippy cup. Mr. Tippy. Or should we say Mr. Trippy? Because the smile <laughs> on this fucking cup is nightmare inducing. It haunts inducing. my dreams. It is nightmare inducing. And that's just <laughs> the first up. appearance. Oh man, they do the kid creepy thing so well in the show. Just everything is just terrifying. Just how do we make the sippy cup look really demonic? It's almost like it came out of Cuphead. That's perfect. perfect. Analogy, yes. yes, imagine Cuphead was your sippy cup. <laughs> No, well, Mike, more of one of the Cuphead villains with the big smile. <laughs> yes. So Tommy's not into this, clearly. He wants his bottle. And so we kind of flash forward a bit later. We're still in the kitchen. And Tommy is just, like, banging on pots and pans on the floor while Dee Dee is washing dishes. That's a thing babies do? I don't know. Well, one, yeah, you give them something to do. They make noise. And then this is actually, in a way, kind of a good thing because she knows where he is and what he's doing. One of those ram- um... If those if, if those <laughs> pots and the banging everything stops, okay, what what's the baby getting into that's probably going to cause it to kill? itself yeah but here's the thing that's not how it plays out because she gets a phone call (laughs) of course not and while she gets a phone call tommy's like okay later i'm out and he starts trying to find try to get a bottle and he starts to look at all his bottle stash hiding places like this is some crazy prison shit right here detox metaphor going on here there's a hint of alcoholism a hint of cocaine hint of heroin (laughs) like wherever he looked there is an an impression of where a bottle has been like these are the regular hiding spaces and what's worrying is that the parents knew where he was hiding his stash and they were fine with it yeah because they've taken his bottles away They're, they're all gone from all his hiding spots so there's just loose milk around this house. Well, there was loose milk around this house just sitting there. Tommy had his stashes. Yeah, he had his stashes laid out all around the house and the parents knew where they were. Except they didn't know where one was because he looks under the sofa in the living room and there's a half empty bottle of milk in there. God. Yeah, don't drink sofa milk. (laughs) If you learn one thing from this podcast, don't drink sofa milk. So he gets one of those toy lawnmowers that, you know, you push it and the the balls inside the half bubble kind of go up and down because there's air being pushed in. And he uses that to poke the, the bottle out. And it rolls out from under the sofa right into the kitchen, right to where his mom is. So he gets foiled. No bottle for Tommy. He, he, he looks at one last spot. He looks in his toy box. He thinks he's found a bottle, but it's just a pacifier. 
poor Tommy. Gotta get his fix, man. Gotta get his fix, man. And he tries to get his fix from Phil and Lil because they come over. Oh, yeah. This is seriously a he's running low on his on smack scene. (laughs) Either that or it's starvation. It's, you know, you could play it either way, I guess. Yeah, but they're kind of like, no, you can't have our bottle. They're like, where's yours? Oh, it got taken away. Well, sucks to be you, Tommy. Yeah, sucks to suck, dude. Fuck you. We're (laughs) going to sit here and drink this right in your face. They're not even going to be like, we know a guy who knows a guy. No, they're just like, we got ours and we're going to have it right here in front of you. Good friends. (laughs) And so Betty and Dee Dee are fighting about whether or not Tommy's being weaned too early. And again, this is serious yuppie parent time (laughs) because one is quoting their doctor, the other doctor. Like, did you get a look at his medical degree? He's clearly a quack. My doctor said this. Because again, it's about competition with your neighbors. That's really what being a yuppie in the 90s was all about. And so Tabi eventually resorts to look over there <laughs> to get <laughs> Phil and Lil to like drop their bottles. Like, look, a monster. <laughs> A monster like, oh no, they drop their bottles. He grabs it like some like a crack addict and he's about to drink it. And again, he gets foiled because his mom picks him up and says, nope, not for you. And then we get the best part of the episode. Oh my God. I don't know whether Tommy took shrooms or this is a <laughs> fever dream brought on by hunger or what, but it gets... It's weird, man. This is his... Uh, had train spotting come out yet? That's what I was about to bring up. Not yet. <laughs> I was half expecting a dead baby to crawl along the ceiling during this <laughs> sequence. I was too! <laughs> but this was too early for train spotting. They couldn't do a train spotting reference. This is absolutely If anything, train spotting was doing a Rugrats reference. <laughs> I think that, that must have been it. Okay, so let's, let's tell the fine listeners what actually happens here. So he looks at his mobile, his mobile, or however you pronounce those, that it goes, you know, spins around his bed, and he kind of gets lulled into a tunnel. There's like a light at the end of this weird tunnel. The light kind of looks like avocado shaped. That's what I thought it looked like. And it's all the figures in his life say, like his parents say, no bottle for you, Tommy. The dentist the comes there. The fucking dentist is there. The <laughs> fucking dentist, the weirdo. I'm surprised he didn't take his ungloved hand and just start like prodding. <laughs> Tommy, but then he's in like a bottle field, a field of bottles or in this like squishy mounded area and he's trying to get the bottles but like his mom keeps saying no bottle for you Tommy. I was trying to figure out if the weird squishy gram was supposed to be like gums and the bottles were teeth coming out of it. You might be right. But they're plucking them way too easy. Yeah, but it just had that kind of that feel to it. So then he walks down a hall full of like floaty objects, including like a floaty Spike the dog. And all of a sudden he gets chased by an anthropomorphic Mr. Tippy. Oh my God. We got the, uh, the tiny kitchen first. Oh yes. The tiny kitchen first where a little, there's this little bottle that bounces around like, Ooh, I'm a little bottle. And Tommy wants to drink it. It was like, I'm sorry, Tommy, but you're too big for me. And Tommy keeps wanting it. So he's chasing it. And that's where we get the floating stuff. And like the ground is wavy. And then Mr. Tippy shows up and Mr. Tippy, Mr. Fucking Tippy, because, Oof. because he has come, Tommy has 
come to a cliff. Well, he gets, she chases him to a cliff. Yeah, yeah. Giant Mr. Tippy is chasing him, saying, drink me, drink me. And he comes to this cliff that, like, Indiana Jones could step off to into safety. was the best way I could describe this chasm. But the way he says, drink me, it it is, uh, like, drink me. Like, really loud and insistent. And I'm just like, Mr. Tippy doesn't understand consent. That is not in his frame of reference. Because he, because Tommy's like, no. He's like, drink me. And this keeps going back and forth. It's like, hey, Mr. Tippy, no means no, okay? Just By the way, Nick, um, Mr. Tippy stole your pickup line. <laughs> God, if only I had Mr. Tippy's game. I I must have missed that conversation. That must have been while you were conspiring. <laughs> <laughs> in the infinite circle of conspiracy that is you this ever podcast. see nick trying to talk to a girl that's how he opens drink me, drink me. uh and it, it'll work one of these days it'll work and then superhero giant bottle comes yes! to save tommy what the fuck is happening in this show and he's golden isn't I, he yeah yeah, giant golden bottle, and he shoves Mr. Tippy into the gorge below. There's like by a river shooting him with through. milk. By shooting him with milk, he splooshes on him to get rid of him. Uh, Mr. Bottle also doesn't understand consent. There's a lot of not okay stuff going on in this episode, and he, the giant bottle, lets him drink him. Yeah, announcing I'm a big people's bottle. I swear, the big bottle is introducing him to alcoholism. It's He's golden beer, you know, he says you're going to go from that <laughs> bottle to this bottle, and all that's left after that is death. <laughs> oh, I got, this got really dark, guys. <laughs> that's why we saved the best for last. Oh... For the for the two people who kept listening to the end, this is for you. I was honestly expecting Tommy to like start sucking on this giant bottle's head, but that doesn't happen. Thank God, because like there's just been enough weird shit in this fever dream at this point. He kind of just splooshes some milk out of his head, and Tommy laughs, and then he wakes up from Which his fever dream. Which is still incredibly God. disturbing. It yeah. is still incredibly disturbing, but it could have been worse. We got off light at this point. <laughs> oh my God. So he wakes up from this nap and he looks like hell and Tommy is just back in his high chair in the kitchen, not into the sippy cup. And I'm thinking this whole time, has Tommy not eaten for days? Is he being starved by his parents? Is this what's happening? I have that he's taken on the personality of a cat because everything (laughs) they said in front of him, he just casually shoves off the edge of the high chair. Oh, yeah, they put down coffee mugs of milk as if that's somehow better. If he can't drink out of the sippy cup, maybe you just, you know, adult cups. Maybe he's just too advanced for the sippy cup. Like, I I don't know what they're thinking. And so they put Tommy to bed, and Tommy's crying because, yeah, because he probably hasn't eaten in two days. Of course he's crying. And Dee Dee and Stu feel really bad about weaning him. And late that night, Stu, Dee Dee, and Grandpa catch each other trying to sneak into Tommy's room to give him a bottle. Aww. Yeah, it's kind of an aww moment. And so they agree that in the next morning, they're going to give him a bottle. Because he's way too cute sleeping. It's a point because they're like, oh, look at him. Let's leave him alone and we'll give him his bottle in the morning. Yeah, not because we should be feeding him as adults responsible for his life. But, you know, he's cute enough for it. 
Well, no, I, my, my whole point being that they're all walking out and Grandpa suddenly realizes he doesn't have his bottle. I know! And we see Tommy drinking it and smiling, but it's like, how in the fuck did he magic that away out of Grandpa's hands? Yeah, he magics it away and he manages to get it under his pillow. Yes! So when all the adults leave, he yoinks it out of his pillow and goes to town on this bottle. Alien powers, guys. Seriously. Tommy has alien powers <laughs> to uh, telekinesis that bottle into his into his script. Oh my god. And with that, the episode has ended, and we are almost at the end of our very own episode here. But before we go, as always, you know, we are millennials, and that means that everything we watch has a moral. We all watched after school specials. So, uh, Jules, what's the moral that you take away? That you took away from uh, Rugrats season one. Aliens are alive and well and living in suburbia. And it's about time we accepted it. <laughs> and John, uh, what, what did you learn from Rugrats? What's moral that you're taking away? I learned that I either had a very normal childhood of shared experiences or I was under observation specifically for this show to be created. What you're saying is Nickelodeon owes you royalties. Yes, for the times that I got placed in a dress and my family took photos or <laughs> when I play being a dog or had been given some Benadryl and trip balls. Like there is so much <laughs> that reflects my personal childhood in these episodes. And so much of that explains the adult you are today. And it explains so much. <laughs> and I learned from Grandpa specifically that for anything worthwhile in this world, you gotta walk at least 15 miles. Amen. <laughs> and I would walk 15 more just to be like a man who'd walk yeah, 30 just, uh, miles. Forget that part. Yeah. yeah, 30 miles? <laughs> 30 miles? I think that's too. Well, it's it's a, it's technically a 30-mile, you know, round trip. Now, before we go, we got to tell you, listener, what we're doing next time. So, John, what do the folks at home have to look forward to? Well, next time, we will be diving deep into the late 90s movie, Small Soldiers. Ah, uh, this is a good one. I can't wait. Well, I still haven't seen it as of this recording. I'm... <laughs> Did you find a review? I, I am one of those. We'll get there. <laughs> I, I am on the old end of millennials. So when this movie came out, I was already in high school. This did not interest me at all. And I've only caught clips of it. Well, actually, this is something that really goes into the goes into next episode when we talk about when we first say it. So cut all this. And did you did you find a review <laughs> that tickled your fancy for small soldiers? Uh, I finally did. This is actually a pretty middle ground reviewed movie if something's excellent i like to look for the low scores if something's crap i like to look for the people praising it because it's usually sarcastic this is overall pretty well received with pros and cons in every review however i did find one and i'm just going to read an excerpt because it's very long if someone says this movie was good i'm going to punch them <laughs> i hope this director never makes any movie again this movie was so bad if he made any other movies, the average rating would probably be negative three, four, five, six, seven, one, two, five, four, three, one, two, six, nine, eight, two, one, five, four, six, nine. Now remember, <laughs> that's just the average. You're gonna have outliers, but most are gonna be into that negative. What was that? A septillion number? Yes. <laughs> I would say they did the math, but I don't think they did the math. They ran out of math budget. Yeah. <laughs> 
And that's our show. Now, before we leave you, you might have noticed that this is the second of two episodes that we've released to kick off the podcast. The plan right now is to release a new episode every two weeks, but that's just for starters. If things really pick up, we might even become a weekly podcast. But to get there, we need your help. We know that every content creator you listen to always asks the same thing and it's super annoying, but subscribing, sharing, and giving us a five-star rating on iTunes are the little things that are going to get Millennial Rewind off the ground. We really appreciate you taking the time to do that. Also, if you're on social media, go ahead and like our Facebook page and follow us on Twitter. Uh, You'll find links to those in the show notes. We'll let you know when new episodes come out, and you can even help us decide what to review in future shows. We hope you've enjoyed these first two episodes. We've had a ton of fun making them and can't wait to continue on this journey with you. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time for another episode of Millennial Rewind.